Hi everyone and welcome back to Roll for Enterprise, the podcast described as the squishy heart at the centre of Enterprise IT. So this week, after last week's euphoria of having all four presenters back, we're back down to three. Sorry about that. But uh, Zach and Mike are here with me. Uh, so hey, Mike, have you got your new Facebook Ray-Bans with the webcam and the arm? No, no. And uh, it'll be a hard uh, no when Facebook puts their name on anything. But imagine Ray-Ban had put somebody else's name or just made them generic uh, sunglasses. They probably would have sold more. And that is probably truer than not. But um, yeah, I mean, cool product though. But no, not for me. Um, Zach, I see you wanting one in the future. You know, like, I, I don't know that I I want one. I, it's interesting. Um, the problem is it's Facebook. And I'm not sure that I'm sold on Facebook. So that's the problem here, right? I'm not sure that I'm bought into Facebook long term. That's pretty much all you need to know. The problem is it's from Facebook. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I bet you it's right behind people like the people who bought Portal will probably buy these. I mean, and you know, the two other people. Or, who or both Portal. of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. But Portal is a fantastic idea. And because it has Facebook attached to it, I'm not going anywhere near it. No, and that and that's probably that's true for for a lot of people. I, I'm shocked that Ray Ban would would decide to do this. I mean, just not not reading the temperature of 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 things around them. Let's put it that way. So I don't know. There's a Galaxy Brain take which I put on Twitter. Uh, so people are now going to be very suspicious of people's Wayfarers because one of the models looks like the classic Wayfarer. Yeah, so yeah. a bunch of people, me included, are going to have to go out and buy new sunglasses. And because Luxottica has you know, 75% of the market or whatever it is, probably more by now, it probably will end up being that they buy more Luxottica sunglasses. Yep. And so it's going to work out for them whether this takes off or not. <laughs> so, you know, the crazy part is they have this light that shows when it's recording so that people know, okay, you're potentially being recorded. Like, I'm going to look at that shiny dot on the corner of your, your sunglasses. Uh, but then apparently, like, people said, oh, what if people tape it up and, and Facebook's oh, It's a violation like, of the terms of service. Can't use yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> like, come on, come on. Like, this is, it just shows how clueless Facebook is, yeah. It is difficult, though, to, to, to build your brand in times like this, you know, so people, you know, Ray-Ban has that brand recognition, but now the playing field's level. So I just say that because I, I wonder, maybe looking at the revenue numbers or, I mean, how do you reach everybody if we're, you know, the pandemic's flaring up, maybe, you know, we're seeing travel being cut, conferences. I, I look at some other, you know, one of my sons, for example, he's buying a Shady Rays. I mean, he's, you know, they're advertised on Instagram or something. He goes out and buys them. So I... I wonder if this is some of this is a little bit of a I wouldn't say a PR you know uh, yeah. event, but I mean it makes me wonder how how do you build your brand or keep that brand going with the next generation without traditional well, television? How are they reaching? That, I, I that, just think that, there's so much more to this. Yeah, that that's the problem. Luxottica and uh, Bosch and Lom, they're all the same. The Italians they've cornered the entire market, and now that's why you see all these other brands. I mean, yeah, uh, my sunglasses, my regular glasses, they're all Warby Parker, right? Why? And there's a bunch of brands that have picked up because of that. It's just part of the disruption that's happening there. So, yeah, maybe they're they're clinging on to Facebook, uh, thinking that that's a good move, but I don't know. I don't think so. We'll see. But yeah, that's a good segue to the main topic we wanted to talk about, which is uh, remote work and how things are changing. So I went into the summer. Uh, with um, dawning hope that in the autumn we'd be back to some travel and actually seeing people in 3D in person. And yeah, the September and October events have already dropped off my calendar. So the next possibilities are now in November and December. Uh, we'll see if we arrange a meetup at reInvent <laughs> or maybe that'll have to be done via Zoom. 
but there's been a spate of articles around that. Uh, so the two that caught our, our eye, all of our eyes, because uh, I was gathering some pieces for a blog post, and then we shared the exact same URLs in the group chat for the podcast. Uh, so there's this piece from Bloomberg, forever changed CEOs are dooming business travel, maybe for good. It's talking about how there's going to be a lot less business travel because everyone's just doing Zooms. Um, but then this paired with an interview with uh, Microsoft Satya Nadella, who said companies forcing employees back to the office amid rise in COVID Delta cases are short-sighted. And some people are talking about these two takes as if they're kind of contradictory. So that if we're not uh, going into the office and traveling on planes, then we're, we're doing the exact opposite of that. Now, maybe this is because I've been working from home and also traveling a lot for the past uh, 15 years at this stage. Uh, so, but I don't think I'm the only one, especially recently, who doesn't see a contradiction between not commuting to the office, but occasionally traveling to meet up with uh, colleagues and partners and whatnot. And in fact, the way it's always worked for me and the way I think it needs to work for most people is to have that combination, especially if you're not going into the office regularly and having that interaction with colleagues, then you need to have meetups monthly, quarterly, whatever the right frequency is for your particular role and function to have those discussions and whiteboarding sessions and brainstorming. So I think the work from home trend, which is inarguably here to stay in some form, is actually going to drive demand for for business travel once that becomes safe and practicable once again how do you guys see that i honestly you know so okay let's take the employee standpoint here and let's leave sales out of this because i think sales is a completely different animal when you start to look at like the employee i think from a regular employee perspective i mean when they start looking for work in the future this is going to be like a top of mind question. How many days do I need to go into a physical office? Do I need to go into a physical office? I think some people have been asking that question for quite a while, but I think it will become more and more prevalent. You know, then, then okay, there's business travel. Will business travel come back? You know, if I was a WeWork, I would start building WeWorks next to major airport hubs because I don't know that meetings will continue to happen in offices rather than in places where people can congregate globally. Because let's face it, Zoom, Teams, whatever you want to do, any video call, video conference you do can work, but there is a time zone limitation. And and I mean, I, I see it where I work, I right? Saw. There are people yeah. waking up, yeah, 2, 3, 4 a.m. to have a meeting with Europe where APAC can join as well. You know, what's the best time? There's always an inconvenience to somebody. And I think when you bring together people, there is something about being face-to-face, about every, everybody having the same energy, feeding off each other. But where should that happen? Does it need to be an office or does it need to be a working space where people can get to easily, you know, bang it out two, three days and then head back home quite easily? So, yeah, that's I mean, that's the way I kind of see it, um, see it evolving. So employee perspective, travel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I we've kind of had a false start. So I think people are going to reassess what this looks like. Um that's you know, very American, by the way, right? Because I don't think Europe has had the false start yet. I I kind of think they're getting there, but they're not there yet. Oh, well, Europe, there's a lot of variation. But uh, 
certainly here in Italy, it's looking like we have not had the false start and they're doing a lot to try to avoid any false start when we get to it, including, yes, vaccine mandates. Don't tell them it's unavoidable, Zach, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, in, and we'll put this in the show notes, but there is a research firm that uh, had some stats come out from a survey. So the Let's see, business travel are broken down in, across the following categories. 30% customer support. We're talking about that. Going out there, meeting with your customers. 25% sales and business development. You mentioned that, Mike. That's going to change. But here's what I find interesting. 20% trade shows and conferences. I didn't realize there's that much travel for shade, trade shows and conferences. And those are changing as we know it. And we were just talking earlier about reInvent. Is that going to happen? Is that not going to happen? So, you know, I don't know what to think because we, I think, we need the interaction, maybe not every day in an office. Maybe you're right, Mike, maybe it's WeWork. Um, I, I don't know, to be honest, I'm struggling to figure this out. And I think everyone else is. And I commend Satya, you know, for stepping up and, and telling everyone, look, you can't rush this right now. We got to, you know, approach this methodically, which tells me he didn't really plan on, on going back like this. You know, they had it and they stopped the date, but it tells me that Satya has got something else in mind. But uh, I, I don't, I really don't know what to think. He, he just wouldn't put a date a date on it, right? And I think yeah. it's yeah. probably the right thing to do. I mean, it's become so unpredictable now that what's next, and we just don't know, right? I mean, this is something we're going to live with. The, the way I see it, I mean, let's look back, right? Business travel was always booming. I think 9-11 took it down a notch. It came back. Then the financial crisis in 07, 08, 09 took it down a notch. That didn't really come back, right? And now I think COVID has taken it down a notch and I don't think it'll come back. So I, I think travel has taken progressive steps down in, in volume and I think that will continue. And it's probably good ecologically that we're flying less. My carbon footprint was ridiculous. And so partly I think it's going to be a lot less tenable to you know have those flights for a one hour meeting. And not that that was a frequent thing, but I have to admit it did happen. And a lot more attention being paid to how about we took the train and yes, that does mean an extra night on the road, but on the other hand, uh, we're not burning jet fuel up in the stratosphere. And I think Microsoft also, there are two sides to this, right? There's the side that any large company, my own employer included, has a uh, return to work plans or future of work or whatever they're called where, where you work. And... Those are being revised in response to changing data. So we were supposed to have a return to work date uh, in early September, and that's been postponed to November. And we're constantly reevaluating that uh, in response to data and business needs and so on and so forth. And so I'm sure part of that is just Satya's at the head of a very large company that has something very similar going on inside Microsoft. The other aspect is, of course, Microsoft Teams has been perhaps not with the same name recognition as Zoom, but it has been doing very well out of the switch to remote work. They've made some very good moves. And uh, just uh, yesterday, Juan Rivera, who's the VP of Engineering for Calls, Meetings, and Devices at Microsoft, tweeted a screenshot of uh, the Teams app running in CarPlay. Uh, for iOS, obviously, Android Auto is on the roadmap. And that's something that I've wanted the Zoom app to do forever. They launched a Zoom CarPlay app. I don't even remember when. It's been a long while. And it doesn't do anything useful. The only thing the stupid app lets you do is initiate a voice call to someone using Zoom. It doesn't let you join a meeting. So you have to do the stupid dance of, okay, find someone to pull over, find, <laughs> uh, unlock your phone, t 
tap on the calendar, tap on the the invitation, tap on the URL in the calendar that launches Zoom, and then you can go into the thing and start driving again. And as I really hope Zoom follows Microsoft in this, but that that's the sort of thing that Microsoft have been doing. This is one small, small piece uh, that just happened to pop up yesterday uh, in this pattern. And some of the those moves have been less successful. There was... Uh, what was it? Was it Ignite where they had the crazy VR Cirque du Soleil? Uh, that that was just insane. <laughs> and I, I don't think they'll be doing that again, but there have been other very practical moves like this little update to Teams that are really going to change the way that people are able to work remotely. So I don't have a problem with the work remotely situation, obviously, and that we shouldn't run back to offices. I do have a problem with the assumption that that means we're just going to become pod people and never see daylight. I do very much look forward to traveling and seeing my team and seeing customers and whatnot. But I do think your your point about WeWork, it's pretty, uh, WeWork turned out to be a borderline scam. Uh, don't sue me. Uh, but the model is, I think, correct. It's, uh, you know, instead of provisioning for fixed capacity, to use IT terminology in our offices, uh, we provision for burst capacity and that means having third-party providers. So you have teams that need to work with actual physical paperwork, maybe legal and whatnot. Uh, they have permanent space in office and everything else is just burst capacity on demand. And various people are talking about, okay, maybe this means that we no longer go to uh, Midtown Manhattan or Silicon Valley or the city of London, but we go and work in Bermuda because why not? You know, There are 10 of us who need to meet up and none of us are even in the same time zone. Why is it that we need to go to some of the most highly priced real estate on earth with the most highly priced hotels and food and everything on earth? Why don't we go somewhere else? All we need is a whiteboard. <laughs> you, you know, but that, you know, if you, uh, if you remember all those like websites where you could like Fiverr and Odesk and Upwork and all these sites where you could like hire somebody to do a task, I think those are going to get stronger, right? Because I mean, if we are becoming pod people, why do we need somebody in this geographic location in this? So then you could hire the best person in the world. How do you find them? Is it still, I mean, we're going to, this, this Uber, Uberization of everything, we will end up micro segmenting work and have gig workers, even in IT and other places, maybe not your crown jewels if you're a pure tech company, but if you just use tech, I think that'll be a bit different, right? So that will continue. And yeah, I mean, people can have multiple gigs. I mean, that too is, is kind of up on the horizon, worries companies. Um, yeah, so it'll just continue to happen, right? Um, and where you meet, I mean, pod people, yeah, it's, it's matrix red pill, blue pill question. Oh, very timely reference. Well played. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, and then when it comes to like Zoom and Microsoft, I mean, everything these companies do is to remove just a bit more friction, right? And, and make it as easy as possible for users to use their product. Because let's face it, it's, I mean, they're only going to add features. They're not going to differentiate as much those features. But if they can remove friction, that's the real winner, right? And and you could see them starting to, okay, let's integrate more. How do we make this easier? Oh, now it works in CarPlay. It does this. It does that. Like, what is the use cases that people are using our tools for? How do we make it easier for them to use it? And then it's like, oh, now you work all the time, everywhere. You're always connected, so on and so forth. So that's just going to continue to ramp up, right? 
Yeah, and that's the downside of all of this sort of thing. So another Bloomberg article, Deutsche Bank calls end of honeymoon phase with remote work, and they're citing people feeling isolated from colleagues, uh, people developing musculoskeletal problems due to inadequate remote work setups. 40% of workers in the US say they feel exhausted after a full week of virtual meetings, to all of which I say, yes. But the problem is, what we're doing right now isn't normal remote work the way I did it for the last 15 years. This is, a, a part of it is, it's crazy emergency remote work and people getting thrown into it. Especially last year, I think this year people are starting to settle settle into the idea that this is for the long term. But, you know, I had uh, an office in my home with a proper chair and proper monitors and lighting and everything. And people who suddenly find themselves perching on a stool at the kitchen table and it's not ergonomic and there's not proper lighting, absolutely, you know, you will have problems if you try to do that eight hours a day, five days a week. And you do feel isolated from, uh, from co-workers because you don't see them or from clients because you don't see them. And the response to that has been on the part of many people, especially people who weren't used to remote work already, has been to just multiply the number of video meetings and that is exhausting. It is exhausting to have video meetings. It's not something that I think is uh, is actually productive. It's the the classic, you know, this meeting should have been an email, uh, this email should have been an IM, and this IM should have been a comment in the in the Google Doc. <laughs> <laughs> there it's is people, a lot of that. It's people overcomplicating things, right? And I, I think you, you're absolutely right, Dominic. I, like as people have gone to work from home, they haven't made themselves comfortable yet because they. Some people still think it's temporary, where I think, you know, you and Zach have been predominantly work from home people. I, I can I, I can say that. Right. And and you've had a comfort level at home. Uh, and I think you've both um, actually actually all three of us have renovated home offices during yeah. the pandemic for the obvious reason of making it more comfortable right and and and, and now so, we're looking at this 300 hundred dollar webcam with dslr <laughs> lenses yeah exactly exactly hey, opal feel free to get us some review units uh, we'll write them up we'll mention them on the podcast we are absolutely for sale our integrity <laughs> yeah. is cheap <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think everybody's kind of settling in at home to make themselves comfortable and yeah you you, you see it you see it everywhere right so you know, so that's it. I don't want the baby to be thrown out with the bathwater that people experienced remote work for the last 18 months and think this is how it is and we have to kill it with fire. Absolutely, we do. This is terrible. Um, but remote work itself has a number of benefits. And as we start to recognize it's here for the, the long term, we've got sigh, depressed sigh. We've got probably another year of this at least uh, at the rate things are going. Uh, so we might as well try to do it right. And some of it falls on these companies. Some are making it easier for their employees and some aren't. You know, the ones that are offering maybe a, a small stipend to go out and buy that chair to help, you know, set you up at the home office. Uh, yep. Some are talking about, hey, we're going to return, false start, we're going to return, false start. And it's hard for their employees to really, you know, get going in that home office environment. I think there's just a lot to this. Some are more understanding than others from, you know, how long you work during the day, how flexible can your schedule be. Some are rigid. Um, I think the ones that adapt will be the ones that survive and thrive going forward. And the ones that, that don't adapt are probably going to struggle some. But I just think there's, there's so many different dynamics to this work from home. It's just hard to wrap your hands around it. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. I, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, it's um, I mean, it's a change to everybody, right? And including the companies. And, and 
yeah, even managers, like some of them are not comfortable with their people working from home. I mean, that's got to change. I mean, it's, um, yeah, there's going to be these terrible remote supervision tools that watch <laughs> your desktop, watch your webcam right now. Yeah. 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 It, only, only a matter of time, only a matter of time. Yeah. Everybody's watching everything anyway. So it doesn't matter through the Ray-Ban Facebook sunglasses. Yeah. 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 Walking <laughs> through your office. Yeah. Yeah. And so we come full circle. No, yeah, I think that's the the key takeaway for me is I think, you know, there are a lot of agendas here as well. Uh, you know, real estate companies that own a bunch of office buildings would rather those office buildings were full of paying tenants. And there is legitimately a huge ecosystem of businesses that orbit around that. All of the, you know, Sheratons and Marriott's that are normally full of uh, of road warriors are pretty empty right now. And the downtown Starbucks in the, the business district hasn't been doing nearly as well over the last uh, 18 months as the previous trends might have indicated. And the dry cleaners and this, that, and the other. It's, it's legitimately a huge shift, but I think the sooner we start engaging with it seriously, uh, the better off we'll all be. And maybe, as you say, companies start to go to different allocation models, but they still need to meet somewhere and Zoom and Teams aren't cutting it for that and, in fact, have severe downsides if you use them too much. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. And but there are certainly companies that are doing it right and others that are doing it less right, let's say. <laughs> I hope we can learn from the good ones. I would say that's right on point, yeah. Yeah. So we also have a, an Apple event coming up this week or next week. Next Tuesday. Well, it's at the ready. Uh, speaking of companies that haven't been doing the right things with uh, return to the office, I and mean, fair enough, the same thing. They just built a massive new office. They would like to use us and get everyone in it. And they do work on hardware. So legitimately, you do actually need to be in the lab and touching the, the dev kit. And they haven't been really set up historically for remote work. But yeah, the... They could have managed that a little bit better because they're so secretive, right? I don't know if you've seen some of the Amazon videos with, um, like, they have a large robotics unit, Amazon now. Yeah, uh, shockingly, to to automate um, their warehouses, and you know those those employees all took their robots home, right? So they've they've put put out a bunch of videos with like kids playing with robots and all this, and yeah, some companies have handled it better than than others, and yeah, who would have known that would you would be saying that Amazon did something better than Apple, but they have so. Yeah, that's <laughs> off to them. There you go. But uh, yeah, next Tuesday, I mean, this is the iPhone event, right? So it's uh, it's, it's going to be about new iPhones, shocker. And they're going to have better cameras. They're going to have better batteries. And you know, what else can we say that hasn't been said about every event uh, so far? The question for me... The most powerful iPhone ever. ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're going to be able to take temperature. I mean, isn't there a talk now about some, even the phones being able to help with the tracing, contact tracing, and things like that? You think there'll be any features in there like that where you can just, you know, 12 inches from your forehead at, get your temperature or things like that or not? I did preview some stuff in, in iOS rather than in the hardware about sharing health status. So if you have an elderly person in your life, you can see their health alerts. Uh, if their, you know, rate of motion... Uh, declines day by day, uh, that sort of thing. On top of the previous, if they have a fall, uh, they can they can call you. Um, so th there are some interesting things like that. I've been running iPadOS 15, the beta, 
since the public beta started. That's got some nifty features in there. If you haven't tried it because you're scared of betas, uh, wait for the, the release version. Absolutely, I have waited uh, for my phone. But just the OCR of text and photographs is amazing. People, for some reason, persist in sending me pictures of text. And with iOS 15, you can literally drag your finger over it and select the text. It's magic, and it just works. And it's a classic, beautiful Apple feature that makes everything better. Uh, so I, I hope we'll see that sort of thing in the hardware. I have iOS 15. I haven't tried that uh, feature. That's actually quite interesting. Yeah, It's, it's amazing. And, I mean, we talked about the CSAM stuff. Uh, that's all being put on hold for now anyway. Um, yep. Supposedly, there's a new watch with new designs. Uh, we were just talking before we started recording. I'm not a watch uh, person, or rather, I'm an actual watch person, uh, mechanical, not an Apple watch person. So that's kind of irrelevant to me. And that's, that's you know, it's going to do well. It's going to do fine. Now, what I want, I'm still after that monitor. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'll see that at this event. I'd love to be surprised. I'm assuming there's going to be another event for the new MacBook Pros because the current M1 MacBook Pro isn't really a Pro. It's just, you know, a MacBook. I, I want a proper Pro with more RAM, with, you know, the ability to run more than one screen, more cores, more everything. And that's my last and best hope that Apple will actually release a screen that doesn't cost more than a car. Uh, and there are rumors that that might be coming pretty quickly on the heels of the iPhone event. Uh, they might not even make us wait until November. We'll see. You know, you know, there's a there's a big risk here that this may be the most underwhelming Apple event ever, right? And the reason I say that is because of the semiconductor shortage. So they may announce stuff that they're not going to put a date on, and that that could that could show oh. really what the industry is starting to to feel, right? And so I don't know how much they're going to actually announce. I, you know, with school having just started, I doubt they they release any MacBooks or any any type of compute device that is not like um, that. That's not a phone or a watch. I, I think they're going to keep yeah. it to mobility. You know. Yeah, and I think if they if they were going to launch AR goggles or anything like that, they'd have leaked by now. I, I think it's just going to be a straight up iPhone event, and I'm probably going to buy it because. I, you know, I didn't buy one last year, and uh, I think I'm due. We'll see. It's, uh, but what I'm excited about is is the next one, the one the one that comes after this. We all assume, but yeah, the uh, shipping and semiconductor shortage and whatnot are going to be a mess. I tried to buy a new bike. Uh, delivery time is maybe March, more like May, <laughs> which is wow. Uh, it's uh, that's just the reality of what things are like. I mean, container shipping rates have gone up uh, tenfold, and delivery times are just you know we'll get it to you when we get it to you. There are fifty ships queued up outside Port of Los Angeles, and everything has chips. I mean, we purchased some appliances, and you know, for example, the refrigerator I think is May of next year. You know, oh, there you go. Same thing. Is, is, is March. It's unreal when you think about it. Toyota had to stop producing cars because they couldn't get chips for the cars. Yeah. This is this is crazy though if you start to think about it because I mean when's it going to start to improve? And I think everybody expected it to improve, to, you know, now. And I, I, I don't. I, I think we're looking at another year of this this craziness into 2022 and and maybe 2023 we get out of it. If not 2024, right? So. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't see a clear end to it. So Apple, who always controls the supply chain, let's see how how well they've done with with their releases, right? 
by the way, there are still people. I mean, PlayStation came out, what, a year ago? There are still people hawking PlayStations for multiple times MSRP on eBay. So, I mean, I don't know that everybody has it together on the semi side. So let's see. Apparently, the smart thing to do right now is to buy a Tesla and just flip it as soon as you get it. <laughs> so you should all buy Teslas. Well, I don't know. Is Apple going to release their car soon? I mean, you know, they're, they're going that direction. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I, I think it could be a surprising event for the simple reason that, you know, this week Amazon released TVs, Facebook released AR goggles. You know, are they pre-gaming because they know what, like, they, they know supply chain moves Apple is making, right? So they might have data that tells them what Apple's going to do next. So did they release it ahead of the news? So, yeah, there could be some surprises on the Apple side. That that I will admit based on what you're hearing from other ones. But keep in mind, we're also heading into a holiday season, so on and so forth. And, yeah, I think I like the Amazon TVs actually looked alluring to me. I mean, mm. gosh, never thought I'd say that. So, well, there you go. Amazon TVs. So maybe that's – are people going to continue to use their phones if they're stuck at home for some of these video calls? I mean, what do we – well, what do we know about the Amazon TVs? Very high res, and there is a webcam add-on. Yeah, but it's, so, it's not OLED. It's not OLED. None of the TVs are, even the no. high end. No, even no. the high end's LED. So, I don't. I mean, I better the Fire Stick OS of whatever Amazon calls it than some of the embedded Android I've seen on smart TVs. And so it's it's not a bad move, just not one that attracts me. I'm an Apple TV guy. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that plays out. So stand by for next week. We'll discuss what Apple actually announced, as opposed to our ill-informed speculations, and we'll see what the shipping dates. <laughs> look like on any of that <laughs> uh, it could be you know expected when you see it yep. but until then it's been great talking to you all and uh, we'll try to get lilac back on next week but that's why we have plenty of hosts thanks for listening talk to you soon bye thanks everybody thanks everyone